Well, um, you might know that I've been grilling out for a long time, for many years. But about 20 years ago, I um, upped my game a little bit. I had the opportunity because a friend of mine offered to donate uh, something very special. It was an outdoor kitchen. And uh, he made it possible for me in my home in Fort Worth to, to have uh, a 10 by 10 concrete slab that uh, had a gas smoker and a charcoal grill and uh, a gas grill, a charcoal grill and a wood smoker with a sink and a cooler. And, and I just, man, I thought it was the greatest blessing and I love grilling out, I love cooking there. And my sons, as, as they watched me, they were learning from me, they were taking on this, uh, this hobby as well. And so you fast forward 20 years and, and today, uh, I continue to do that, but uh, my sons have gotten really good at it. In fact, my son Josh has gotten so good at it that now I'm learning from him. You know, the family used to say that I made the best brisket they've ever had. Well, that's no longer true because Josh is up his game and I'm learning from him the technology uh, and the wireless thermometers that you can read on your app and your phone. I know you think that's cheating, but no, it's not. It's just keeping up uh, with the technology. And, and, and so I used to be the grill master at home and now, uh, you know, my son Josh is the grill master and I'm the apprentice. And... Uh, and I'm learning. And it's a reminder to me that in life, no matter how much you know, you can always learn more. That in life, no matter how good you are at something, you can always get better. That if you consider yourself a master at something, that you also should always be an apprentice. So in the Christian life, it's the same thing. In the Christian life, if you, if you think you've mastered something, that you should always keep an attitude of an apprentice because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is an apprentice. In the case of Jesus' disciples, they were always wanting to learn from the master who was Jesus. And they wanted to learn from him. And one of the areas where they wanted to learn particularly was in the area of prayer. They, they were Jewish boys who, who were taught at home how to pray. And they went to the synagogue and they heard prayers so they prayed all their lives, but, but now that they were following Jesus, on one occasion, they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We find an account of that in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching his followers, this is how you're supposed to practice your faith in contrast with the self-righteous religious people a lot of the Pharisees were that. And in contrast with the pagans who really don't know the real God, you as my followers, as my apprentices, as my disciples need to know. And so when Jesus teaches about prayer, he, he gives what we call the Lord's Prayer or uh, the model prayer. And I want to read it uh, from the New King James Version. I usually use the NIV, but in this case, we're going to Use a New King James Version, Matthew 6, verse 9. And it reads like this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Beautiful prayer. It is a familiar prayer to many of you, I know. And it is completely acceptable to pray just the way it is. If you, if you just pray it just the way we read it, that's, that's a good way to pray it. But, but I think that Jesus was giving us more than a prayer that you repeat mindlessly on a rote. I think what Jesus was giving his disciples and therefore us is a model prayer. That means a pattern for the prayer life, a pattern for the disciples' prayer life. And so today, we're going to begin a series based on this prayer, on this model prayer, and we're going to call it Your Kingdom Come. And it's my hope and prayer that as we walk through this very familiar prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, that you've repeated a time or two in your life, that you will grow to understand it more, but more than understanding it, that you will grow to practice it more, but more than practicing it, that you will grow more in your walk with God, that, that your faith will get deeper, that your prayer life will get richer, is my desire. When you look at the model prayer, you see that there are six requests in the prayer, six aspects of this prayer, six aspects or sides of the disciples' prayer. Mike Breen uh, uses a graphic that has six sides so that uh, you can remember these, character, kingdom, provision, forgiveness, guidance, and protection. We're gonna talk about that during the next six weeks, but today we're gonna focus on one, and it's character, the Father's character. You see, the first request in this prayer is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. That's our text for today. It has to do with the Father's character. So let me offer you a couple of things that I think would help you and help us understand this. First, is that for the disciple of Jesus, prayer is about a relationship. Our Father. The word Father is a relationship word. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know, first and foremost, that prayer is a relationship. The prayer is not an attempt to get God's attention. Prayer is not the way that we inform God. Prayer is not the way that you do an online order so that he can fill it in the heavenly warehouse and you can get it the next day via spiritual FedEx or something. Prayer is a relationship. And we know this because before Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he, he, he taught them how not to pray. When you look at the passage right before the model prayer in Matthew 6, verse 5, you, you, will, you will notice that he tells them how not to pray. Verse 5 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they, will, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is, is telling his disciples, look, don't be like these people. Don't be that guy. Don't be like the self-righteous people, the self-righteous religious people who use prayer to impress others. They, they pray this long, elegant prayer so that others would be impressed with their spirituality. Look how much theology I know. Look, look how, how, 
how religious I am. That's how the hypocrites prayed. And Jesus says, don't be that guy. Prayer is not about impressing others. It's about a relationship. It's about a conversation that the Father wants to have with you. And that's why he says, when you pray, go into your inner room, go into your closet, go into that corner of your house, go on that recliner, go in that backyard chair where you can have a conversation with Jesus. I, in my own walk, I call that coffee with Jesus. I, my routine in the mornings, most mornings, is I get up uh, when, when people are still not moving around, when there's not much going on. Uh, sometimes the sun hasn't quite come out and, and I go downstairs and I grind some coffee beans and I prepare myself a pour over. Probably the best cup of coffee in town, Thomas. I know you'll argue that, but uh, of course, Oikos comes really close uh, to it. Uh, but I, I get that cup of coffee and I sit down sometimes, uh, you know, and where we watch TV, sometimes it's outside depending on the weather. But, but the point is I sit and I talk to Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's not about impressing others. There's, there's nobody else in the room. Sometimes I do it silently. Sometimes I do it out loud. But it's a conversation. Sometimes I talk to Jesus. Sometimes I listen. You know, some people think that prayer is just about talking to God. Sometimes prayer is about being quiet and listening to God's voice. And then as much as the religious self-righteous people, the hypocrites pray to impress others, the pagans, they prayed they pray to impress the gods. They babbled, they, they kept on repeating words and long prayers. So somehow they would get the attention of the gods. And Jesus says, don't be like them either. You don't have to do that. The father already knows what you need. You don't have to go to God and say, God, I need to update you on a couple of things. Hey, God, I don't know if you've noticed, but things are really getting messy down here. You don't have to do that. God knows. He's paying attention. He's, he's paying more attention than you are. And he's lovingly looking at you and your life. He's lovingly looking for you to come and sit down with him so that, so that you can get a sense of his heart. And so that your heart can connect with his. God would say to you, you don't need to impress me. You just need to address me, our father. When we pray, we need to know God's character. And, and we were singing about that. He's not a God who rewards self-righteous people. They, they have their reward. He's not a God who is impressed with many words or, or with beautiful prayers. He's a God who who seeks to have a relationship with you, who just wants to have your heart, just wants to connect with you. And he cares about every detail of your lives. He delights in the conversation with you and me. We get to keep our grandson Daniel from time to time when, when my daughter and my son-in-law are at work. And, and one of the things that we do, and this is, this is our thing, is, is we take pictures and we send it to them while they're at work so that when they have a break, they can look at the picture. So when Daniel first gets there and we're giving him breakfast, we take a picture of him eating breakfast, take a picture of the breakfast bowl full, and then when it's empty so they can know how much he ate, and we send the picture, and then later on, Daniel might be playing with something or being outside, and we take a picture of him and we send it to him, and, and mom and dad, they put a heart on it, and then later on when lunch time comes around, we take a picture of him eating, and, uh, and when he takes a nap, and, and we do it throughout the day. And, and sometimes I feel like, man, that's too many pictures. And so I tell him, you know what, I'm gonna stop with the pictures. I, I know you're busy, you're working to go, please don't. 
It makes our day. We enjoy it. Please keep sending them. We, we like seeing Daniel playing and eating and sleeping and being happy. You see, loving parents can never get enough of their children. Loving parents delight in their children. They, they want to know. They want, they, they want to know what they're doing and they enjoy even the things that other people are think, think are boring or meaningless. Parents care about them. Do you know that the Heavenly Father delights in his children? Do you know that the Heavenly Father delights in you? That he cares about you? There's nothing unimportant in your life to the Father. Every detail of your life is important to him. And he wants to hear from you. He wants you to send those pictures up and say, look, I'm enjoying this. Or thank you, God, for this. Throughout the day to, to, touch, point, to touch base with him. You know, one of the things that is really uh, interesting about uh, Jesus' word for father, Jesus spoke Arama Aramaic. And, and the Aramaic word for father is Abba. Now, Abba, if you translate it, it's not really father, it's dad or daddy. It's this affectionate, intimate way to address a father. I don't know about you but, or how you grew up, or, but, but I know that I never called my father, father. I never said, father. I called him dad because we were close. We had that, that confidence. It was, it was an affectionate relationship. And I, I don't think I've ever had my children call me father. Call me dad. Can you, can you imagine going to prayer and saying, dad? And you say, well, that's kind of weird. Well, Jesus did it. Jesus called his father dad because he knew him in that kind of way. Jesus wants his disciples to know that prayer is a relationship between a dad and his children. Secondly, prayer is a redirection. In Luke's account, Jesus' disciples ask, Jesus teaches how to pray. It's immediately after Jesus had been praying in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. You see, Jesus had this habit of, of getting away from his disciples. As much as he enjoyed being with them, he had this habit of getting away early in the morning, going up on a hill, going up to a separate place. And, and the disciples would watch Jesus and they would, they would see him. And maybe they couldn't hear him, but, but there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that really touched them. There was something about the way that Jesus came back from his prayer time that was really powerful. And the disciples said, we want that. Teach us how to pray like that. And so Jesus tells them, you know, the way I pray and the way you should pray is to our Father in heaven. See, Jesus was in touch with his disciples. He knew them. He talked to them. He ate with them. He hung out with them. He was in touch with the people that were hurting around him, the multitudes that were hungry or were sick or were oppressed, and he cared about them. Jesus knew about the corruption in the religious system of his day and, and about the oppression of the Roman government. He, he was in touch with that, and when it was necessary, he spoke truth to power. But he was never consumed by any of that. He wasn't consumed by the needs of his disciples. He wasn't consumed by the situation in government. He wasn't consumed by the situation of the sick and the oppressed and the needy. You know why? 
Because regularly he turned, he redirected his attention to heaven. Our Father in heaven. He was very much in touch with what was going on here in the world. But he was also in touch with the one who is in heaven. It's interesting that uh, Andrew Murray uh, notices and he writes that Jesus in the gospels, we never see Jesus teaching his disciples how to preach, but he taught them how to pray. That's, that's interesting. That, that ought to speak to us about the importance of prayer. That prayer is vital for the life of the disciple, for, for that connection to, to heaven. It redirects us. Before we think of the task, we, we look up at the Father in heaven. Before we start looking at solutions to our problems, we look up at the Father in heaven. Before we start asking others their opinions and their advice, we, we look to the Father in heaven. We redirect our attention to the one who sits on the throne. There's this famous picture that was taken on December 7, 1972 from Apollo 17. It's called Blue Marble. And it is a picture of the earth. Um, and it's the first time in history that they were able to capture with a camera the entire globe, the entire circle of the globe. And uh, even 50 years later, with all of the technology that we have, few people have been able to surpass this beautiful picture. So it is used and copied and in, in so many ways. But I wonder what it was like and I was just a little boy in 1972. But I wonder what it was like for people to realize when they saw that picture, it's the first time that they could see the earth from outside the earth. That's us. That's the world. And somewhere in there, there's the American continent. And somewhere in there, there's Texas. And somewhere in there, there's McAllen. And somewhere in there, there's my house and my family. And it looks so majestic and so beautiful and yet small. And, and, and all of a sudden we get this perspective when we look at the earth from outside, from above, that maybe things are not as big as we think. That maybe situations and things that we deal with are not as great and gigantic as we think when they are seen from a heavenly perspective. That's why I love the song that I learned when I was a child that said, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the savior, a life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you turn your eyes on the Father, when you turn your eyes on Jesus, all of a sudden, the big stuff of earth starts getting smaller in the light of his glory and grace. That's why Jesus invites us, turn your eyes heavenward. Start your pray, prayer by looking to the Father in heaven. Whatever may be going on in your life, redirect your attention to the Father in heaven. You can address the father as dad. There is intimacy in that relationship. But you can also know that your dad, your heavenly dad, is the king of the universe. 
And you can redirect your attention to him regardless. Thirdly, prayer is a recognition. While our Father in heaven is the way that the disciples address God, the first request of the model prayer is, hallowed be your name. Now, you've heard that a lot, but some of you may wonder, what does that mean? Hallowed be your name. We usually don't go around on a daily basis talking about hollow and being hallowed, unless you're thinking of a scary movie or something. What does hallowed be your name mean? Well, there's other translations that I think might help us. The Common English Bible says, uphold the holiness of your name. The Darby translation says, let thy name be sanctified. The Good News Bible says, may your holy name be honored. The message says, reveal who you are. You see, hallowed be your name is both a recognition and a request. It's a recognition that God is holy. It's a recognition that, that God is God and we are not. It, it is a recognition of who he is. There is no one like him. And we could never be like him. We could never reach him. We could never understand him completely. He is God. He's holy. That's the recognition. But the request is that he would make that holiness known to us here on earth. That God would vindicate his name so that others would know who he is. Sanctify your name means, that means vindicate your reputation. We know, because the scripture tells us, we know that God is holy, but we want the people to know him as such. That's what it means to sanctify your name. We want your reputation to match your character, God. And, and so show yourself, reveal yourself. That's what it means to pray, hallowed be your name. It's a wonderful paradox for us. that God, who is our father, who is our dad, is close to us, and yet he's the God beyond us, who is holy and we are sinners. He's the father who delights in a relationship with us, and yet he's holy and exalted at the same time. So as we approach prayer, we approach it with confidence, but we approach it with reverence too. We let the Father put his arms around us, but we also bow our knee in worship and reverence. For those of you that follow golf may know that the Masters tournament is in April, and uh, last year, the champion for this Masters was Scotty Scheffler. And uh, he was 25 years old at the time, Ranked number one in the PGA Tour. Uh, he finished 10 strokes under in 72 holes. Really a, a, an incredible performance. And when they interviewed him at the end, he had gotten his green jacket from the Masters. They were asking him about his score and his performance. And this is what he said. The reason why I play golf is that I'm trying to glorify God and all that he's done in my life. So as for me, my identity isn't a golf score. My faith affects all aspects of my life. It's not just the golf course, but everything. The Lord has given me a skill and I'm trying to use it for his glory. And I think that's a great example of a very practical way to pray, hallowed be your name. 
Because when we pray for God to sanctify his name, for we pray for God to, to show his glory to, so that other people know who he is, not only do we want God to do it, but we want to be a part of it. And that means that in whatever we do, we're praying that through our lives, God would be glorified. That if you play golf or you teach school or you work at a hospital or if you're a mom or a grandparent, that whatever you do, that his name would be glorified. Jesus teaches his disciples to begin praying with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He wants us to know that prayer is a relationship, that the Father looks to, to be with us. But the most important thing, perhaps for some of you, that you need to know about prayer, for this model prayer, is that in order to call God Father or Dad, you need to know Jesus first. You know, people say, aren't we all children of God? And I say, we are all creatures of God. But only those who trust Jesus as Savior and Lord are children of God. The Bible says that as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. You see, uh, we are so separate from God because he's holy and we are sinners. We can never bridge that gap. We can never reach God on our own merit, on our own efforts. That's why Jesus came. He took on human form. He became man and he lived the life that we couldn't live. And then he went to the cross for us. And at the cross, Jesus bridged the gap. He is the bridge that connects a sinful humanity to a holy God. He is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to call God Father, you need to come to Jesus and trust him as Savior and Lord. You need to repent of your sins and you need to receive him as your Savior and your Lord. And then you can call him Father. He'll adopt you into his family. And then once you're adopted, you can use this model prayer to grow and deepen your walk with him every day. Do you want to grow in your prayer life? Do you want to know God as your father? Do you, do you want to deepen your walk with him? My invitation to you today is to respond in faith to the father who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. I hope that next time you pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That you have a deeper understanding, but more than anything, that you have a deeper connection with the father. Would you bow your head with me? Dad, here we are as your family and we're thankful for what you taught us with your example and with your words. Thank you for this model prayer that teaches us how to pray. I pray that today as we think about this prayer that we would think about our relationship with you. Is there someone here, Lord, that doesn't know you, that hasn't trusted you as Savior and Lord, that has not been able to really call you Father, that today you will bring them into the family of God through your Holy Spirit as they repent, as they believe in the Jesus who died and rose again. Do your work right now, Father. For those that are already followers of Christ, would you call us to a deeper prayer life? Would you call us to a deeper way of walking and living our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you teach us your character 
in that prayer relationship so that it informs everything else that we pray. Father, would you call us closer to you? Maybe there are people here who have not yet joined the seven weeks of prayer, but today they're saying, I'm going to be about that. This week I'm going to pray for the lost in my neighborhood, in my school, in my city, in my state. Father, if there's someone here that needs to make that commitment to be praying daily, seal that commitment. Father, raise an army of prayer warriors here at Calvary. May your kingdom come. And Calvary, as it is in heaven.